0: Coming up on episode 195 of Wheel Bearings, I'll be talking about my thoughts on the 2021 Ram 1500 TRX. Cole will share her thoughts on the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. Robbie drives the Daimler EM2 and goes for a ride in the Daimler eCascadia Semi, both electric. I Have the announcement of the new Timberline subbrand for Ford's SUVs, and Citroen comes back to the U.S. market for its Free to Move car sharing program. Did you know you can support wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Welcome to episode 195 of Wheel Bearings. And uh, it seems that uh, Robbie is still sleeping late on the West Coast. So I'm not sure where he is. Hopefully, he will join us at some point along here. But I'm Sam Abu Samad from Guidehouse Insights.
3: And I am Nicole Wakeland. And this week, let's go with uh, Sports Car Market because I just started writing a column oh, nice. for them.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So, Nicole. Yes. What have you been driving this week?
3: I have been driving the Hyundai Sonata hybrid, uh, which I like. Okay. My favorite thing, two things about this that are going to seem like the silly things, but it's really a sexy looking car. Like hybrids used to be kind of boring. They have really beautiful wheels on this car
0: or or worse than boring,
3: (laughs) worse than boring. They were (laughs) like, yeah, they were miserable cars a few years back. Um, This one looks really good. Like it really does look like a good car. It was sitting next to an Audi at Home Depot yesterday. And from the back, I'm like, you know what? These both look pretty cool from the back. Um, And also inside, I have this pet peeve when there is no room to put anything on the center, like in the center console. Like you can put like not even a spot for you to toss the key. And I know that people have purses or whatever. I don't, I like carry my key in my wallet in my hands. I can't put anything down there. And as soon as you use the cup holder, that's the moment I go to get my Starbucks. And now i have to take out and I don't have anywhere to put things. I had like a cup holder and there's a little slot between the two so you can put your phone in there. Then there's a spot in the front where you can stick your wallet and your key and whatever junk you have. I love the design of the inside of this car so you can put your stuff somewhere.
0: Well, I think if I recall correctly on the hybrid, there's also a space under the console as well, right?
3: Yes, there's there is. Room galore in this car. And that was like the first thing I noticed because I sit down and also, you know, it's 2021. It's the time of COVID. So I have a little tiny little bag that has masks in it. So if I forget a mask or my husband forgets a mask or my kids do, that just comes with me everywhere. It's the the spares are there. And it's not like I can leave them in the glove box because it's a press car. So I have to take it with me each week. That little, little bag had a little spot to sit. So oh,
0: that's nice.
3: These seem like little silly, like not important things. But when you live with a car every day, they do start to grate on your nerves when they're not right. And yeah, well done, Hyundai. I like that.
0: Well, I, I think, you know, this is one of the advantages that we've gotten from vehicles moving um, away from mechanical shift levers, you know, where where you have the shifter that's tied by a cable to the transmission to just a push button electronic system. Because now all of a sudden you just have that little that little Push button array there, and there's nothing underneath it. Right. And so all of a sudden, that opens up all kinds of space to do other things around in and around the console.
3: Yeah. But even if it's, even if you have an actual shifter like people have stuff like you need to put your you need to put your keys somewhere you need to put your wallet somewhere I don't understand these that have like I don't have a huge phone it's an average size phone and I sometimes like I have nowhere to put it so I'm like shoving it in my pocket or then you open up the little storage thing even in there I've had some cars just like literally I can't fit my phone in there if I can't fit my phone in that center storage thing you haven't done enough it doesn't you know it's like account for the fact that people have little things that they need to carry with them and give us a spot to put our little stuff.
0: Because everybody needs a place for their stuff as the late, great George Carlin would say.
3: Yes. Everybody needs a place for their stuff. And the Hyundai Sonata has a place for your stuff. That made me very happy. (laughs) (laughs) But, and it's nice to drive. I enjoy driving it. I mean, it's, Uh, You know, the first hybrid I ever drove was a Civic way, way back when it was like Civic or Prius were your only Mm. choices. So um, I remember I always have that memory of what hybrids were back then, and it felt like you were driving like a lawnmower engine that would like like go right through the hood of the car at any moment. Um, I love that this, you don't really know you're driving a hybrid until suddenly you don't hear the engine. You know, that's, that's your only clue when it's, it's very quiet. You don't feel the transitions. You don't notice it, which I feel like is how it should be. You shouldn't always be aware when that engine turns on and off.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things uh, when Hyundai first introduced their original Sonata hybrid, uh, what 2010, I think. Um, at, at, that point, they were one of the first automakers to go to this kind of layout using a, a traditional step gear step ratio transmission, you know, so it had a conventional six speed automatic paired with an electric motor and, and the engine, unlike, uh, the, the Toyota hybrids and the Fords and the, the Honda's that had sort of an electronic CVT continuously variable thing where you know in those like you talked about you know you get that buzzing from the engine because you, you get on the accelerator the engine revs up to its torque peak and then just sits there you mm-hmm. know that's that what they call a motor boating effect that is really kind of unpleasant to drive you know and even even on a non hybrid with a CVT a lot of CVTs behave like that it's right. it's just it's, not very pleasant
3: it's why CVTs get a bad rap and rightly so because they just they just don't sound nice. Nobody wants to listen to that. And I I mean, they're better, they're, they're getting better. I mean, each iteration, each time an OEM comes out with a new one, it feels like they're a little bit better and they do a little bit more work to sort of dampen that sound. So even if it's doing that, you're not hearing it quite so much, you know, driving the car, riding inside of it. But um, yeah, that's, that's never what you, you never want to, you never want to hear your engine in a way or working that you think, is something breaking? Am I doing, to, am I pushing on that accelerator too hard? Am I about to kill my car? And that's what they kind of sound like sometimes. I don't like that. So I appreciate that this just feels and sounds like driving a normal, you know, a, a pa- regular gas powertrain with, you know, it, you think just have a regular automatic transmission in there. You have no idea that there's any hybrid stuff happening there until you're aware of that, like the sudden silence, which is a nice silence. And it doesn't even have a particularly, it has the the sound that it makes. We were talking about this before the show, like they have to make a sound under a certain speed so that you don't accidentally, you know, hit pedestrians. The idea being the pedestrians won't, won't hear you if the car makes absolutely no sound and they're more likely to step in front of your car by accident. Um, this one makes a sound that's, I'm okay with the sound. It's okay. Some of them are annoying. I still haven't found anything as annoying as the internal beep that the Prius makes in reverse, which makes me want to like stab my eyes out. It's so annoying. I don't (laughs) understand that, but this one isn't bad. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's fairly subtle. It's, you know, it's just enough that people outside the vehicle are going to hopefully notice it. Um, You know, if you're trolling around a parking lot or something like that, you know, somebody with low vision, um, you know, to alert them that, you know, or or even actually even somebody that can see just to (laughs) alert them, you know, if they're not paying attention, you know, that there's there's a a vehicle approaching uh, because you don't have the sound of the engine. What uh, what kind of fuel economy did you get out of this one?
3: I looked yesterday and I've been driving. I'd say I've been driving mostly like city driving i haven't been on the highway that much and i think i was averaging somewhere around 44 and change so not bad i mean i think that's pretty good i forget i'm trying to look at the official what do they say they say 47 combined is what the official Mm -hmm. number is and i think i was like 44 1 2 last time i looked so i'm in the zone for that so pretty close
0: so you're, you're slacking then, because I think uh, when I when I drove it last year, I got closer to 50. Oh,
3: I mean, I got closer to 50. <laughs> I wasn't trying. I was just driving it like a normal person. I wasn't trying were... to hypermile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, if you can if you can get 44 miles per gallon out of, you know, a pretty good sized family sedan like that, um, you know, that also happens to have halfway decent performance. Yeah, that's you know, I th- I'd say that's fine, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, if you, you know, as you go up in miles per gallon, because of the way miles per gallon works out, and you look at how much fuel you're actually saving, every additional one mile per gallon you get, you're reducing the total, you're reducing the amount of fuel that you're saving. So like when you go from 10 to 20 miles per gallon, you're saving a lot more fuel than if you go from 30 to 40 or 40 to 50. And um, so the the difference in how much fuel you actually consume, how much you use over the course of a year um, with, you know, with a car that's getting 45, you know, if you're getting 44 or 45 miles per gallon versus 50, it's, it's inconsequential. I mean, you're talking, you know, probably less than, you know, $50, $75 $50, $75 a year worth of fuel. Um, so it's, it, it's a, it's a very small savings. So it's, you know, if anything in the forties, you're, I think you're doing great.
3: You're doing good. And, and it, I guess would be more important right now if you're driving a hybrid, because what I think it was yesterday, there was that hack of that one pipeline. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that news. So supposedly it supplies 40 something percent of the fuel to the East coast, and the pipeline was hacked, and now everyone's panicking about fuel prices. So we'll see if next week we're going. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! We don't have gas prices are ten dollars a gallon. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, there, there's been um, you know some reports that you know we can expect to see higher fuel prices this summer as well because you know more people are going to be traveling you know as they as they get vaccinated you know trying to get back to something resembling a normal life. Um, so, you know, having that extra fuel economy will will definitely help. And, you know, down the road, you know, uh, if we uh, if we start to see higher uh, fuel taxes or anything like that, you know, it never it never hurts to have extra fuel economy.
3: Exactly. It's a good thing. It puts money back in your pocket one way or the other. Whether yeah. you drive a little or a lot, it does. It does add up over time. I think what, too, you know, so many people have been home for the last year you know working at home not even forget the vacations and stuff just working at home and you sort of gotten used to whatever your monthly gas bill is is what it is right now and when everyone goes back to work it's going to be this shock oh gosh i gotta stop at the gas station more (laughs) than once a month to put gas in my car that's a lot of money
0: (laughs) yeah so um in in the one that you were driving the um the the electric motor that's part of the powertrain isn't the only source of electricity into the battery
3: it is not
0: you you had another feature on there i
3: did we also have the solar roof on my sonata hybrid which looks really snazzy and it was funny my husband looked at it and sort of did a double take like what oh cool that's solar my 17 year old looked at it and said what's wrong with your roof? Like it just didn't (laughs) register at all that that's what she was looking at. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's a cool thing, but I, we were talking about this again. I don't know how much, you know, we're in New Hampshire where I get a modest amount of sun and it's not particularly strong in the month of May. So I don't know how much I'm actually getting in terms of improved fuel economy, but maybe if you lived in California where the sun was blazing hot, almost every day of the year and you got full sun no matter where you parked, but that's not the case here. So I think it's kind of, it's nifty, but I don't know how much it's helping.
0: Yeah. According to Hyundai, um, if, you know, if the car is parked, you know, in direct sunlight, you know, with the sun shining on that roof, you can fully charge the hybrid battery in about six hours, which means, you know, that six hours will get you about, a mile and a half of electric driving, you know, which is Woo-hoo! about what you get from a full charge. You know, if the battery is fully charged and you put it in EV mode, you know, you'll get about a mile and a half of driving, you know, because hybrids are not, you know, normal hybrids are not really designed for, you know, electric driving except for very short distances at, right. at lower speeds. Um, you know, it's designed to assist and recapture energy from your, your braking and things like that. Um, but, you know, the thing is, you know, the roof of the car is not flat and solar panels are very subject to, you know, actually being angled towards the sun. You know, the, the angle that the rays of the sun hit the panel have a huge effect on the efficiency of, you know, how much power it can generate. And when I had one uh, I think, you know, I had it parked outside in the, in the sun for a full day. And I think it barely got like half of, half of a charge. Oh, really? And the, and the thing is, there's actually a little meter in the instrument cluster in the digital instrument cluster that shows you the um, the the charging power you're getting from the solar panel. And there's like a little four bar gauge in there. And, you know, as you're driving down the road, you can actually see like if, you know, if you're driving like I live in a neighborhood where, you know, this, we've got lots of trees and, you know, drive under the shade of a tree, you can see it drop
1: you oh, know, cool. Down to nothing, <laughs> and then
0: come back up again when you get in the sunlight. When you're yeah. in sh- when you're out of the shadow, so you know it's really more of a gimmick uh, than anything that's going to get you any significant amount of of power for driving. But where where it actually um, can be interesting, and I can't remember if the if the Sonata can do this or not. I know previously in the past, uh, like Toyota has offered a solar panel on the roof and a couple of other manufacturers have offered rooftop solar panels that could be used just to, you know, to power the ventilation system in the car. So when you're parked out in the sun, you know, you can pop the sunroof open or, you know, or just, um, you know, just run the ventilation fan inside. So it doesn't get quite so hot inside the cabin of the car. You know, that could be useful.
3: That would be cool.
0: Yeah. But I don't think the Hyundai system can do that.
3: Uh, You know, I'm going to be honest and say, I don't know. I don't think that it does, but don't quote me on that. I could be wrong on that. Um, Yeah. I don't see anything about that. And if it does, I didn't know that it did that. So
0: there you go. Yeah. So, so, you know, Solar roofs are are cool, but not really that useful on a car. And it also means that if you get the solar roof, you can't get the sunroof.
3: I know. So. That's the thing It's funny. I went to open because we've had some decent weather here and I went to open the sunroof that doesn't exist. I was like, oh, <laughs> <this laughs> it's finally sunny and there's no roof on this car <laughs> that I can open.
0: <laughs> so so how much was that uh, Sonata hybrid?
3: Um, slightly chopped off of my form. Thirty six thousand dollars in change. So um not that, And that's for the Sonata hybrid limited. And I mean, it's got a lot of features. It's it's, you feel like it's, you don't feel like there's anything missing on this. You know, you, you you've got a nice, comfortable, well-equipped city. And um, so 36 and change. And for, what do we say? A combined 47 MPG. That's, you know, it's, it's a pretty
0: good deal. Yeah. You can't complain about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, let's put it this way. I would rather drive around in that Sonata hybrid than in a Prius. <laughs>
3: Oh yeah. I know. I feel like we're knocking Toyota. Sorry, Toyota, but yeah. I no, would, Well, you
0: know, I mean the, 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 current generation Prius actually drives really well. Yes. But it's really hard to look at.
3: It's, it's the style thing. And you know what I feel like I, I'm going to say, it. I feel like there's like an attitude that comes with Prius. Like you drive a Sonata hybrid. You drive It's not a hybrid. You happen to have a hybrid. No one people might not even notice that you're driving a hybrid. It doesn't scream like, I'm a hybrid, I'm green, I'm fuel efficient, go me. You get into a Prius and it's like, Oh yeah, I care about the environment. So I'm buying a Prius. So I'm like, I feel like it's making a statement in a way I'm for, like
0: it's it's vir- virtue signaling. I mean that, virtue that signaling. Was, for for a long time that was the thing, especially in California where people were buying Priuses, you know, when the Prius was basically the only hybrid you could get. You know, a, a lot of people who were, you know, wanted to show their green credentials, you know, they would buy a Prius. You know, nowadays, you you know, you go to California and, you know, Priuses are, are taxi cabs. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, the Tesla Tesla Model 3s and Model Ss are, you know, the— not, I, mean, I think we're past the virtue signaling stage with yeah. those now, but you know the the Prius is now the new Camry of, of California.
3: It is. That's a good way to put it. No, the, we didn't buy.
0: Not, not the Prius. I mean the, the Tesla is the Camry yeah. of California. We didn't They're
3: buy. A, the reason we had a Civic Hybrid back when they did them was because my husband at the time didn't want a Prius because he's like I don't <laughs> I don't want that sig- I don't want that attitude. I'm not that guy. And want well, something like, that
0: looks more normal. He's like
3: I want a normal looking car. I don't. we like oh look at him. He got a Prius. He's like no 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 no. I just have really long commute and i can't afford gas right now that's it
0: (laughs) i had the opposite of you did
3: we were were we more like almost carbon neutral not even close with what you were driving
0: (laughs) no it was it was it was the anti-carbon neutral the anti-carbon neutral yes and and this you know this vehicle kind of represents uh, along with one other and kind of represents I, i think most likely the end of an era so I had the Ram 1500 TRX crew cab four by four. So this is, this is the, you know, the Ram pickup with the Hellcat V8, the supercharged Hellcat V8. Um, and, you know, right now for the moment, at least this is the most powerful um, and fastest pickup that you can get anywhere. Full size pickup. Uh, at, you know, At least until the, the Hummer EV hits the road this fall. And, It has 702 horsepower from the supercharged 6.2 liter V8. It sounds amazing. I mean, for, for somebody, for anybody who's an automotive enthusiast, you know, who likes the sound of great engines. I mean, this thing sounds fantastic. You you know, it's got that rumble and roar. It's definitely not something that you're going to sneak out of the neighborhood early in the morning. (laughs) Definitely Uh, not. It's not like like Ford on the, the Mustang a few years ago, they introduced a uh, what they call their good neighbor mode, you know, for the dual mode exhaust. You know, so there's a quiet mode for the exhaust. So right. as you're pulling out of your driveway in the morning or if you're coming in late, you know, you can pop it into quiet mode and it doesn't make quite so much noise. Not on this thing. There's, there's, there's nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing, nothing toned down about this truck. So this is, this you know, the TRX is, is uh, Stellantis's response to the F-150 Raptor. Um, but then you know, turned up to 13. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so you know, the 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 current the previous generation Raptor and the initial versions of the new one that are not on sale yet, they should they should be hitting dealerships sometime this spring. Use Ford's four point five liter eco or three point five liter eco boost V6, uh, you know, with about four hundred and fifty horsepower. The you know the TRX is said over seven hundred horsepower. Um it's got these Bilstein remote reservoir um, dampers on it. It's lifted up. It's got great big tires on it. Um, it's got you know the the full full boat solution you know for off roading uh, four wheel drive low mode uh, you know prop, you know real four wheel drive system. Uh, it had the optional twelve inch U Connect infotainment system. I love that. And I you know driving this thing. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I drove a Raptor, but the thing I remembered about the the previous generation Raptor, and I haven't driven the new one yet, but the previous generation Raptor always felt really soft in the suspension. You know, it's got a lot of wheel travel, you know, it's designed for high speed off road running, but when you're driving it on the street, it just felt kind of soft and sloppy. And, you know, uh, the, you know, when you're going around a corner, you could feel the body roll. And if you hit the brakes, you feel it diving, and it just never felt very confident to me, you know, this thing, uh, this has got the same kind of vehicle dynamics and, you know, body control, wheel control that I experienced with the, um, uh, the Wrangler um, or the, sorry, the Gladiator, the Gladiator Mojave, you know, which was their, their first desert rated model. The TRX is not, doesn't technically have the desert rating that Jeep Jeep is planning to add to others, but it's got that same kind of feel. It's really well controlled. Uh, You know, it's, it's still comfortable. Uh, You know, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pound you as you're driving on the street, you know, hitting potholes and things like that. But I took it out, you know, onto some, some back roads uh, near me here, you know, some bumpy dirt roads. I didn't have a chance to do any real off-roading with it, but um, you know, Going on the you know on bumpy dirt roads, you know, where we'd had some heavy rain, and you know, so it was some pretty good potholes. You know, I did a few launches on there, um, zero to 60 and with uh without launch control in 3.7 seconds, with launch control turned on 3.4 seconds. <laughs> this is on on gravel oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and so i mean this is, and this this thing weighs three tons it's a six thousand pound truck empty yeah <clears throat> and um you know it, uh because it's designed for off-roading it's got running boards that are tucked right up against the body <clears throat> so they're they're really almost useless because, you know, they don't stick down for you. You, It's, it's, a high step up into the cab of this thing. (laughs) Sure people
3: will not like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rebecca would not have a good time with this. She's
3: going to dangle from the steering wheel as she tries to pull herself up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, fortunately, I mean, there, there, there are um, grab handles on both a pillars on the driver's side and the passenger side. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good step up into this thing. Uh, But I mean, it drives great, which is characteristic of the, the Ram 1500, you know, ever, ever since the previous generation, when they launched it with coil springs, it's had the best driving dynamics of any pickup truck.
3: Yeah. Um, so and- I, I had a chance to drive this too, when they launched it back in October, I want to say it was late October of last year, they did a drive program and they had us take it off road. They had us on some twisties. It was sort of like in a mountainy area. We're somewhere in California. I can't even remember where now, um, but I agree with you about the on-road handling. That is a big Off-road truck. It is nothing petite or small about it, but it handled really well. We're on a highway where the speed limit's a good, like fifty-five miles an hour. But those big swooping, you know, curves you get as you're going along on a mountain, and it's very controlled. You feel it's surprisingly controlled. And then they had us take it on a dirt track where we really got to push it and catch some air in it. And honestly, the thing that was funny, you know, they had someone in the right seat. It's not like you were driving this on your own, and as you, you know, hit certain speeds, like when you at least hit this much so that you catch some air when you come down the other side, you don't even feel it. And like, I'm watching these guys and I'm saying like, it, was I like much lower than them? I was like, no, that's about what you were doing the same thing. And I'm watching how high they are and how they're coming down. I'm like, really? Because it didn't feel that way on the inside. And the inside, you're kind of like, like it's so controlled and it's so smooth, but I'm watching him from the outside. Like, Oh my gosh, bam. You don't feel that on the inside at all. So it was, it was a joy to drive that. It was really fun. It was, it was, uh, it was nice to be able to have a a situation where you could like, I'm not going to do that on my own with a press car, (laughs) take it off road and jump it like, no, but if Ram says, Hey, we have this track. We're gonna put a guy in this car with you. We're gonna let you push this, and we're gonna make sure that you know what you're doing, and you're in, you know, an environment where it's it's okay for the truck, it's okay for you, all that'll work. And it's like, okay, I'll do it. And it, I'm not, I'm not someone who does that every day. And it was so easy to do, and so comfortable, and just a redonkulous amount of fun. Like I really enjoyed it. And what you were saying about the sound of that. Yeah, I'd wake up all the neighbors and I wouldn't care because it just <laughs> sounds so good. I'd be like, hey, guys, look what I got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, with the five inch uh, tailpipes on the back there. You know, it's it's nuts, you know, and there there is no logical reason for anybody to buy this thing.
3: No, absolutely yeah. not.
0: It's you know, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, it's a completely to,
3: like stupid, unnecessary yeah. over the top truck. And I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know we, you know we were talking about fuel economy with the the Sonata hybrid. Um
3: So it matched the Sonata, right? It like did better, yeah, way better, right? No, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um I I barely got ten miles per gallon average.
3: But worth if you were it's, it's, if you were it's
0: rated at twelve combined, I I barely got ten.
3: So you got ten, so worth it to to have one. Oh my gosh, that's one like a third, less than a third of the gas, why is just not worth it for the fun of driving it? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's got a 33 gallon gas tank in it. So, I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to be, you know, filling it up every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that helps. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you actually, you know, want something, you know, to go off-roading in, you know, and if you're, if you're going off-roading, I mean, if you're going rock crawling in, tr- you know, in tight, canyons and trails and so on, you know, this thing probably isn't the best choice because yeah. it is so big. It's just, you know, big. it's, it's yeah. just like five inches wider than a standard brand because it, you've got those big bulging fenders. It's got a wider track, but you know, if there's enough room to fit this thing, you can go pretty much anywhere. I mean, it's got skid plates galore covering all the important bits on the bottom, big steel skid plates, which is why it weighs 6,000 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, and a heavy duty frame and every, you know, a reinforced frame Uh, and on those big tires, you've got lots of ground clearance, um, you know, the, you know, lots of, you know, high approach and departure angles. So that's not a problem, but you know, if you want to get into the tight stuff, you know, something the size of a Wrangler is actually probably a much better choice. Yeah. But you know, if you're you know, if you wanted to like go to you know race in the Baja One Thousand, you know, this wouldn't be a terrible choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could probably handle that with you know just add a roll cage and and you'd be fine. You know, and but, yeah, but uh, the si-
3: you're right on the size because they did have what they had us do was highway driving the track, and then they had one very small like bit where we're just climbing up a rocky, yeah. you know, slope. And they had some spotters there, a little left, a little right, you know, had a, and they were sort of loose, large rocks, um, And it handled it no problem, but it was this giant swath of rocks. You know, it's it's there is nothing on either side that was going to take part of your car with it. You know, you you need a big space and even some of the tight turns as you're going through. It's like that would not be tight in a smaller vehicle in this. You kind of think, okay, they said it can make it through here, so I'm going to believe them, you know, it. It feels well, powerful.
0: It had power folding mirrors. So, I mean, you can it at least fold tuck, the mirrors, those in. Yeah,
3: tuck those yeah. in, but you know, the For, rest of the truck, but
0: eh. fortunately this, you know, the one I had also had the, uh, the digital camera mirror inside, mm-hmm. which is great because you now I could actually see behind me because again, when you're up so high, you can't, you know, anything 20 within 20 feet behind you, you're not going to see it. Right. You know, at least, you know, maybe, maybe farther back. So the, the, the camera mirror system, you know, is great for being able to see what's behind you. There's also, you can also turn on the at lower at speeds below 20 miles an hour. You can turn on the front camera mm-hmm. uh, so you can, you know, get a little help maneuvering around um you know it's not quite like what gm's promising for the hummer ev where i think it's going to have something like 18 cameras available so you can see everything underneath and around and all i can't wait to
3: see what that image looks like on the infotainment screen like how are they getting all of those cameras <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> to show you one cohesive image like how yeah. i don't know how that's going to work it'll be cool to see
0: but uh you know as i said you know this this truck, you know, it starts at $70,000, you know, 69, 995 and it's, uh, uh, $1,700 delivery charge. Uh, this is something we talked about previously is FCA or Stellantis delivery charge now is up to $1,700 on, on the trucks and SUVs. Um, so, I mean, really that should be bundled into the the base price. So you're really looking at a minimum of, you know, 70, almost $73,000. So um, it's not $72,000 for this thing.
3: It is not a cheap toy, but it is a fun no. toy.
0: And the one I had, you know, with the various options on here came to 87,370 total. Uh, so
3: 87 that, plus the 1700 then still on top of that. So you're looking at almost, that,
0: that includes that includes that the 1700. Includes the 17. So, so all, still, all in eighty seven. Uh, and that includes the eight, almost eight thousand dollar TRX level two equipment group and a bunch of other options. So, you know, the one thing about you know the the Ram crew cabs is the the cab is huge. If you're if you're relegated to the back seat. It's like riding in a limousine. Yeah, it I mean, is there's huge. A ton of legroom back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you want to fold it up and put stuff in there and lock it away, or um, you know if you're just going to have passengers back there, you've got lots of room to work with. Ram doesn't offer you know some of the cool, neat features that are on the new F150, like the the pop up and lockable um, cargo area underneath the second row seat. Mm-hmm. um that that you have there um but you know it does it does still offer a lot of a lot of neat things because of the the wide fenders on the TRX you can't get the ram box option on this which is one of those unique features that Ram has had for more than a decade now. Uh, but nobody else has offered it, uh, which is nice. You know, if you're, if you're actually using your truck for trucky type things, you know, you have that, those Ram boxes on the side of the bed that you can put tools and stuff into. Uh, you can't get thing. that on the TRX. Like I was talking yeah, about this in exactly. center console, a, the a pl- Sonata. A,
3: it's the a place for your stuff. A place for your stuff.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, this thing is really, uh, you know, Really comfortable to drive, stupid fast, stupid loud. Um, you know, it it does have you know because of the um, the high ride height, uh, the um, towing capability is reduced. You know, so you only have eighty one hundred pound towing capability. Only eighty one hundred. Only eighty one. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you need the maximum towing, you know, twelve and a half thousand pounds towing, you need to go for one of the regular Rams. Um, but you know, eighty one hundred is enough for most people yeah um and then uh yeah you know, as i was saying you know this is kind of like the end of an era uh you know the they'll probably build these for a couple of years um and then you know it'll probably go away the durango hellcat that uh, that I is actually that. in my driveway right now Oh, that's, nice. a, like a, that's a one year only thing. So I actually, at one point on Tuesday, I actually had 1400 horsepower. In I saw driveway. that picture you
3: put <laughs> up all the horsepower in your driveway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I actually, I had a conversation earlier this week. There's an article in the Detroit news about, you know, kind of where Dodge, you know, Ram goes from here because Dodge, you know, the Dodge brand in particular has become, you know, a muscle car brand for Stellantis, you know, over the last few years, you know, they've, they pared it down and basically now you just have the Durango, the challenger and the charger mm-hmm. and all of them are available with big V8s and Hellcats. And, you know, we talked about, you know, where, where does it go from, where the, where's that brand go from here? And really, you know, I think it's what you saw on the, the Wrangler 4xE, you know, going electrified, adding, uh, you know, probably, you know, we'll probably see it at least a hybrid, version of, you know, these future trucks yeah. and and cars and, and SUVs and, you know, probably a plug-in hybrid, you know, cause you can get enough extra power out of there that, you know, probably not with, with the supercharger, but, you know, maybe with the the new inline six twin turbo inline six that, uh, Stellantis has been working on, uh, with a plug-in hybrid. I mean, you know, you're going to get you know probably pretty close to the same kind of performance as you get out of this thing. Um, but the then,
3: sound, I like this. Yeah, you're, I know. You're, you're, you're going to lose that. I, are we get at a point where now when those of us like. Well, if you, like, if you
0: if you do the V8 with a hybrid, yeah, you, s- you can still have the V8. That's true. Me, the V8 sound. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when you go off road, you, just, you know, switch it off and, you know, go nice and quiet. Just like with the Wrangler 4xe. You know, and I think we're, in addition to this one, you know, Ford is going to be doing a Raptor R version of the new Raptor. Which rumor has it? You know, there's no confirmation yet from Ford. Rumor has it that it, it's going to have the the 760 horsepower supercharged V8 from the uh, uh, from the GT500 in there. Ooh. So these two are, I think, are the last that we're likely to see like this. And everything else after this is going to be electric. You know, the Hummer.
3: I, you know, I I, you know, I, 1, I, I get horsepower. it, and I I think you're probably right. I mean, it probably is the end. I don't want it to be the end, though. I, I just like the. I know gas-guzzling trucks, terrible, killing the environment. Pandas are dying because of it. Whatever, but I, I just, I like the the feel and the sound and the visceral experience of it. And I'll be sad when that sort of goes away. I know the performance can still eventually, the performance can be duplicated, but
0: the feel That's, of it. It's not. It's not the same kind of experience it's
3: not the same kind of experience and maybe it's like it's going to make us all old parts as that happens like i remember when i was a kid in the v8s and blah 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 but i i like that experience it's like manuals slowly disappearing like mm-hmm. you know there was a time when everyone you had to drive a manual and there was a certain experience of driving a manual transmission where you got to do the footwork and you got to shift the gears with your hands and as opposed to paddle shifters or whatever um there's a certain experience you lose and i feel it's it's kind of the same way eh.
0: Yeah, I I I remember back in early 2008 when I did the first drive of the Tesla Roadster for AutoBlog. And it was the same same kind of thing, you know, driving this thing in Northern California up along Skyline Drive, you know, near uh, near Silicon Valley. Yeah, you know, it was this was an amazing sports car, you know, fantastic handling. You know, it was it was like driving you know, I mean because it was derived from the Lotus Elise platform. Mm-hmm. And you know, you had a lot of similarity in the way it felt and it was really fast, but you know, without the sound, it was, it was such a different experience. Right. You know, you lose, you do lose that visceral component, but you know, it is what it is. We gotta, we gotta evolve. We gotta gotta move on. Yes.
3: It's, I guess it's, it's what's coming. And it's, it's not that I dislike the, the way EVs drive. I mean, they're, it's, they're a great experience, but they're different. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. um,
0: I'm I'm just, glancing at them over at the Monroni here for the, the TRX. Um, yeah, you know, it, it says, uh, you, uh, on there, you know, they, ha- they have the comparison against, uh, average vehicles for fuel, fuel consumption or fuel costs. Oh cost. God, how bad is it? <laughs> you, you spend $12,750 more in fuel costs over five years.
3: Only $12,000. Uh, they, they have Holy the, little,
0: the little ratings there for fuel economy and greenhouse gases. Yeah. Uh, one to 10 rating for, you know, for that. Oh god. 1 out of 10.
3: Oh, no, is it really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say just and to then give you a the your... smog rating is is also 1 out of 10.
3: So here's your comparison to the Sonata hybrid. So you save $3,250 if you buy this. Uh the smog rating is a 7 on a 1 to 10 and my fuel economy and greenhouse gases is a 9. <sighs> yeah. I am entirely we are we are opposing vehicles this week.
0: <laughs> on, on the other hand, you know, I could park the TRX right on top of that Sonata and not even notice.
3: You no, know, it's high enough. You might be able to park over the Sonata. Like would it just clip the top of that solar roof?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, almost. <laughs> might scratch it up a bit. Just though.
3: scratch it a little bit, that's it. A little skid plates so right on top of there, that's all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sticking this in here in the middle of the show because uh, unfortunately Robbie was not feeling well last night and didn't set his alarm this morning for recording. So we're doing this after the fact, after Nicole and I recorded the rest of the show. But (laughs) Robbie's here now to share with us stuff that he drove and wrote in this week uh, for the garage. And what did you drive? You you had something a little bit different.
4: Well, I'm surprised I drove anything because clearly I can't. uh, Uh, participate in adult in adult life because i don't know how to set an alarm clock <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, alarm I clocks up, are
4: overrated i mean
0: you alarm clocks are over, Should, that i do have enough. a dog
4: i do have a dog i have a cat who wakes me up i have another cat who wakes me up i have a lot of animals that wake me up um i also have allergies that knocked me out so the allergies <laughs> won today um but 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 yeah um so i drove a couple things this week i, I drove the acura mdx which uh y'all have already talked about so i'm not even gonna Dwell in that. I drove the Acura Type TLX Type S, which I'm actually not allowed to talk about yet, so I can't talk about that. So two Acuras, one we've already talked about, one I can't talk about, and then something completely different: the Daimler EM2, which is if if you're if you're if you're scrambling to try to figure out out what the hell I'm talking about, it's not an E-Class. It's not an E-Class. It's not an M-Class. It's not an M-Class. It is a panel truck. It is an electric panel truck. Um, While uh, Nikola and Tesla have been talking about making these giant electric trucks, they're going to put on the road. uh, Daimler's been doing it. You know, they've been they've been working on their EM2 and their E Cascadia. Both of them are Freightliners. Daimler owns Freightliner. If you weren't aware, Daimler owns a lot of the large trucks. Different brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would be surprised how much uh, Daimler and Volvo own in the trucking world um are volvo trucks volvo and volvo yeah. trucks are two completely Vol- Vol- separate volvo companies. group which volvo is different group. from
0: volvo cars group
4: yes it's a whole yeah it's it's is it confusing yes does it make them a lot of money probably <laughs> um so the uh i i rode in the e cascadia which is the giant semi and uh it has um 360 to 525 horsepower and has a range of about 250 miles from a battery pack capacity of up to 475 kilowatt hours. Now, if you're thinking, well, they're never going to be able to drive from LA to New York, and that that's not what this truck is for. It's essentially for getting things from the port to a warehouse, usually in an, a, uh, an environment that is urban. So uh, think New York, think Los Angeles, especially Long Beach, Pedro area, think uh, Oakland, think San Francisco, Florida, anywhere where there's a port and you have to move large amounts of stuff from the port to a warehouse where then it gets sort of spread out, spread out either nationally or locally. And for additional local driving, they have the EM2 and that's what I got to drive. Um, I don't have a class eight uh, commercial driver's license. So they didn't let me drive the semi and I kind of didn't want to, because I had the big trailer on it and I'm sure I would have taken out (laughs) half of Oakland with it, (laughs) but I did to drive the EM two, which is a class six, seven, essentially like one of those big panel trucks you see driving around. Yeah. And, um, like when
0: when you, when you order appliances or furniture, it's, it's the kind of truck that'll be delivering that stuff Or, or a moving van.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Like a large moving van. Or yeah, like you said, appliances or furniture because typically they're 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 delivering a couple things at once. It's a uh, larger than your typical U-Haul, but not as large as a semi. If that if that helps, um, so I drove that, and it was a very um, it was a it was a weird experience because if you've ever driven or been in a large tr- panel truck like this, you know that you know they're diesel, so they're loud. They have that diesel sound. They have a lot of torque. And it's funny. Whenever you're in one of those vehicles, and when you're about to go, you can feel a sort of torque shift. That it sort of it sort of twists the entire body of the vehicle before it goes, and you get that little lurch. It's like yeah. it didn't ha- it didn't have any of that because it doesn't have a drive shaft. It doesn't have You know, Mo- is the motor mounted at the dr- at the axle at the rear axle? Yeah, m- the motor's mounted at the rear axle, so it's it just goes and it's yeah. quiet and it's smooth and it's very. Um, and, and while I'm driving it, I'm pulling up to, because, you know, we were down by the airport while I'm driving this vehicle, we're pulling up to other, uh, semis, other six, seven trucks, and they all have diesel engines. And there's like, clack, 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 clack. you know, they have that, that diesel sound and you can see, you know, as they go, you know, the, the cab shifts, everything, you know, everything you, you anticipate from a very large truck going forward. And then you're in this and it's quiet and you're just kind of cruising. And it is, it is so weird. And, the um the regenerative braking they have 10 different uh settings and so you are you're, you're, you're uh, they, they they want you to be able to, to adjust it on the fly so right now the the cab is they're, they're redoing the cab so the car, the dri- vehicles i drove are prototypes they're using to show off to potential uh clients people who are going to buy these um and then 2022 when they hit the road they're also getting a cab redesign um but the uh sort of the push button um shifter it had a uh, you know up and down, and you could adjust the amount of regenerative braking. So you can set it up all the way up to ninety if you're going downhill. You can set it down to like you know twenty if you just you know or ten or zero and just cruise. It was it was pretty great. And they were like, yeah, if you're going downhill, if you just if you only have a few um, choices of regenerative braking, you might not be going fast enough. You know you might you, right. you know if, if we've all you know dri- driven down here, you have regenerative braking, and you kind of have to like feather. The uh, the accelerator in order to to keep up with traffic. With this, you can adjust. You're like, well, there's too much braking. Let me adjust it a little bit. So, you, and, you, oh, there you get we more, go.
0: More granularity in that in that
4: control. Yeah, they're they're getting more granularity in that control. Um, it's you know it's it, it was it was pretty um, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> is what it was. First of all, it's automatically cool to drive a big truck. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You're driving this big giant truck you 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 sort of wish that you you know and in, in, in my if you're uh, of a certain age um like me um the first thing that pops in your head is the song convoy <laughs> um, for those who don't know for yeah. those of the, for those of you who don't know that go look it up on YouTube uh make sure you look up convoy and not convoy 2 convoy 2 is a horrible song convoy 1 is a little bit better um <laughs> but in the late 70s early 80s it was sort of the, becoming a trucker was sort of a thing um and so, you know, when you wrote from that, it's, it's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, so it has, they're, they're saying it's, it's on the 400-volt uh, architecture instead of like an eight or 900, which I'm still, you know, Mercedes is the same way. They're not, you know, they're still on this 400-volt architecture. But they said it'll charge in 80% in about 90 minutes. Um, they can get us and, uh, wait, I'm sorry, 80% in 60 minutes. The eCascadia is 80% in 90 minutes. Um, it has a, a battery uh, capacity of a up to 315 kilowatt hours the battery sits right under the cab um it has a range of 230 miles um it has 180 to 300 horsepower um but it has all this torque of course and they didn't give me any torque numbers because you know it's it's a prototype and there's probably going to be a little bit of a few changes here and there uh especially you know the cab is going to be completely redesigned um but for the most part um if you Live in a city, you know that there are a lot of trucks that are driving around constantly, delivering things here and there. Um, they sort of become part of the, the background, but they also are part of you know the pollution that's being you know spewed into the air where you live. And you know Daimler, Volvo, and, and to a lesser extent uh, uh, Tesla and Equilib, just because we have no idea what's going on over there. Um, you know they they are they are working towards sort of eliminating. Um, you know, a pretty, especially in cities, a pretty large amount of of uh, of CO two that's being released into the air. And especially now, because we have become so used to having things delivered to our home, like things have to show up to those Amazon work uh, warehouses somehow, and that involves you know big giant trucks you know, delivering them from ports yeah. to, to warehouses. So you take the
0: Cascadia from the port or from the airport where the you know the 747 freighters are landing yeah take that to the to the warehouse and then from there it goes on to the smaller vehicles yeah
4: and so yeah it's it's, it's um it was it was uh I, i've driven i drove the uh the mitsubishi fuso which uh a few years ago which is a smaller sort of panel truck uh, which is also owned by Daimler. I know it's a, it's it's very yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all very confusing. There's been a lot of consolidation in the truck business. Uh, like, yeah, and and VW Group also has a, a truck group as well um, called uh, which they spun off or they separated last year as Trayton, uh, which in in Europe, it has the Scania and MAN brands. but uh, here in North America they they just bought Navistar. So they're also working on electric trucks.
4: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting how much of the trucking business is owned by people you didn't realize. And, you know, it's it. I, I don't know if it's it's just, a, you know, people are used to the word, you know, they're used to Freightliner. They're used to Mac. They're used to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have those those names that have a ton of history behind them, you know, when you buy them, you just sort of back off and let them do what they they need to do um you know in the trucking industry you don't you you don't just buy a truck every truck is typically uh custom built um initially these won't have as much customization as a um a diesel truck just because you know they're they're speeding up you know the 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 production of them so they won't have nearly as much customization but they will get there at some point um so if you have a very and, and every you know, driver has some, or fleet manager has some sort of special need for their truck. So as long as what you need is uh, available in these trucks, and there's a ton of, you know, just like your 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 uh, passenger EVs, there are a ton of federal incentives to sort of bring the the price down. Um, you know, it seems like there might be a a little bit above parity. You know, it won't be, par- it probably won't be parity, but they'll be a little bit more. But when you look at the long run, and that's what fleet, um, fleet managers and and these fleet and these trucking companies do is they're looking long-term they're They're thinking about the operating
0: costs too. Yeah, exactly.
4: You're talking about maintenance and service and and oil changes and all this stuff. And, you know, you still, there's still a lot of services you have to do on these trucks, but not nearly as much as you would on a diesel vehicle. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting next year to see how well these sell, how many end up in the market. And uh, and and again, driving it, it was. It, it, I mean, if I could drive it, it's.
0: <laughs> so, are, are they going to also offer the EM2? Uh, like, you know, the, I think this the one you drove, and the one they, the ones they've shown are you know the box trucks. But yes. uh, that same chassis, I think that they and the convent the diesel versions they sell that for things like uh, trash trucks and and other applications too, dump trucks, flatbeds. Are they going to offer the electric version? for those other use cases as well?
4: They wouldn't get too deep into what the uh, customization was available for the, for each vehicle. But I think as, you know, I think there the goal is to get to that um, because a trash truck just stops and goes all day. You really yeah. don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly, you, you don't need, you probably don't need more than hundred,
0: you know, miles yeah, so it'd probably be a smaller, though. smaller battery version for yeah. that.
4: But. Yeah. So you save money, you know, you have that. so, you know, it's, they are, they are, they are talking about, Sorry my dog is barking in the background. That's okay. <laughs> you know they they are they they want to be able to offer the customization throughout the entire line but they said that it's it's going to be less initially and then more later on so we we'll, we'll see i think that they um that that in the long run and maybe even within a year or so they'll probably you know again if it sells well um then they're and they're going to be selling them and you know, they're going to be manufacturing them in, in in oregon on the same plant they're they're building the other trucks so it's not like they have to build a special um you know they have to adjust the line but they're going to be building them on the exact same line so okay. it's you know it's it's, it's pretty smart because you, you know building the entire facility just to make these trucks especially at the beginning where you yeah. know maybe they sell a couple hundred versus the thousands upon thousands they're selling um seems seems a little insane, but it's you know they're 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 easing into it, but they are you know they're they're out there they're selling them they're you know I, I met the team that's that's selling them there's like they got people showing up they have whole days they went to they were here in oakland they were going to Fresno they're just going
0: cross country demonstrating them to fleets and, and so yeah
4: on. yeah demonstrating fleets have fleet managers and trucking company owners and, and whatnot just come and drive the trucks and and let them. Uh, if they, I did find out if they drive. If they drive, the if they have the CDL, uh, commercial driver's license, and they drive the E Cascadia, they do take the trailer off. So they let them.
0: Drive okay. The <laughs> so uh, what was the the Cascadia like?
4: It was sort of the same thing. It was it was you know Just you're a sitting huh? Just a little bigger, and you can adjust the um, the regenerative braking via a stock on okay. the steering wheel. And so you can sort of push it forward, push it back, push it in. So you, you can adjust it on the fly. And yeah. I, they were, they were talking about how one of the things they have to sort of teach the drivers is that they can do this. This is something that they can do to, to save, to increase range and save energy, et cetera. And, and, and in the long run, save money for their, for their, uh, their overlords and their bosses. Um, but it didn't less have wear to, like, on the brakes. Yeah. Less wear on the brakes. I mean, it, it's, it was, uh. But again, you know, you're sitting in this big truck and you're you're parked next to uh, another freight liner or you know some other truck and it's making, you know, yeah. you know, it's making that giant loud diesel noise that if you know if you're driving down the freeway, you're gonna be at some point you're gonna be parked next to a, a semi-truck and they're they're not quiet you know, sometimes when they take off the little puff of smoke comes out of the top, even though they're not supposed to at this point, Yeah. Um, you know, they have the, the, you know, you have to deal with engine brakes, which are very loud after 2007, you know, they, before, after, I'm sorry, prior to 2007, the engine brakes were very loud. They had to like figure out a way to make those quiet. So if you live anywhere near a, a freeway, um, you know, that that is, you know, know, that noise, Yep. (laughs) that is, that is the truck stopping. And with generate, with the regenerative braking, it, you don't, you want that won't happen anymore so you you don't you don't have this this sort of loud annoying uh vehicle like sort of barreling through your neighborhood if you live in an urban area um you know and it's it's it you know it's less noise uh less pollution and i still get my socks that i ordered from amazon that's kind of the that's all, that's all you need <laughs> that's, all, that's all we want all we want is a we better world stuff and we, all we want is a better world, but also our stuff. And, you know, these 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 two truck, it looks like that they're, they're, you know, Daimler has a huge reach in the trucking industry. So I think they have a a lot more than and, and some of the automotive startups that are out there.
0: Yeah. And, and Daimler Trucks also owns Thomas Built. The I think the, I think they're the biggest manufacturer of school buses in North yeah. America. And they're they're launching electric versions of those too, which I assume are going to use the same same hardware probably across the the thomas Built buses as well
4: yeah yeah i'm sure they're gonna have the same hardware i mean it's it's it, it's interesting because they don't really when i because i asked about talking with the um with the passenger division with the mercedes with mercedes-benz and um they were like well we i mean we kind of talked but not really it's just not you know the the difference between the engine i'm sorry but the the motor and you know an eqs versus the difference in the motor in you know, the the e is you know, that, that motor that they that I saw was huge. It's just it was like yeah. like half the size of a beetle. That's that's the <laughs> it's just this giant electric you know beast. It is just and, and on the E cascadia you can get a single or tandem axle and it's just yeah, it's pretty it's pretty insane. And yeah. it's 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 one of those things people don't really think about when i think about the electrification of transportation is all the other cars that aren't passenger vehicles and all the other vehicles that are sort of um you know making the, you know the, you know uh, creating smog uh, creating noise creating this creating that um because again you cuz you kind of they're so big and they're so part of the background and you just sort of shoot past them when you're driving that i think people sort of ignore the fact that until they get stuck behind one. Then they're just like, ah, why aren't, yeah. there a special, why aren't there special roads for these people or for these trucks? And they're like, yeah, they're called trains and,
0: and boats. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. at some
4: point, at some point, they have to get to uh, from here to there. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was it was it was uh, it was it was really fun just because every, anytime you get to drive I, a giant. It's, truck, it's always
0: it's always fun to be in a big truck.
4: It is. It is really fun to be in a big truck. It's Like being a little um, kid again. Yeah. And I think the fatigue issue, some of the fatigue issues that you have um, the drivers have with being a big truck because of the noise and the vibration like that is severely reduced. All you hear is the whine. So that's good for the drivers. Um, If, you know, if it reduces maintenance costs, that's good for the fleet. And if it reduces all the other things, you know, the the, the sort of uh, environmental uh, issues, it's good for us. So it's sort of a win, win, win. And then I'll just keep saying win for five minutes um, if it all works out. I'm sure there'll always be people who are like, you know, when I was, you know, convoy, rumber ducky, you know, when they <laughs> long, long distances that, you know, I think that's where hydrogen comes in. That's where, you know, the hydrogen yeah. fuel cells uh, really work. Um, you know, what Nikola's working on. Um, Toyota,
0: working on that too. Yeah. Uh, working on. Toyota's Monday. been working
4: on, yeah. Toyota's been working on, on, on hydrogen trucks forever. They have a whole system set up, set up down in, um, and Pedro in Long Beach area. Yep. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, uh, certain tasks or certain tasks for certain uh, power trains. So it's, it looks like, you know, a couple of years, you're probably going to, you know, next year, we're going to probably start seeing these Daimlers on the road. Uh, I think in three or four years, we're going to see, you' are seeing a lot more electrified vehicles on the road, whether they're battery powered or hydrogen fuel cell powered.
0: Yeah. That's, and I think, you know, as you said, that's going to make a big difference, especially in cities, you know, where these trucks are doing deliveries and so on, you know, they're, they tend to be the biggest polluters and, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to make a huge difference in, in quality of life, both air quality and, and noise levels in, in cities and, and suburban areas, too. Yeah. Yeah. The,
4: you know, the 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 trucking companies, the fleet managers, they, you know, they'll hold on to something forever. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they'll just swap out the cab and throw it on top of an old motor or an old engine, old chassis. And so, you, you know, it's, it's going to be a little while because, you know, they're they're, they're every penny counts for them. But I think, you know, as the transition happens, eventually, you know, the trucks become more of a liability than they're worth. And then when that happens and they start looking at, okay, what's next? What's going to save me money in the long run? And for some of those, you know, some of those, especially the smaller ones, they're probably going to wait three or four years before they, you know, look into EVs or hydrogens. But some of the bigger companies where you're dealing with, you know, thousands and thousands of trucks every day, you know, if you can, if 10% of them, are going to save you, you know, an additional 10% of your, 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 uh, your, your output in cash, then you're going to be pretty happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much, Robbie. And um, we'll get this spliced in and <laughs> going to cut back now to Nicole and I talking about uh, the, the Ford Explorer Timberline. Did you have any comments on the Timberline?
4: I, I, I don't have any comments on the Timberline. I think it's, uh, the, the, the sort of, yeah, I, I guess I, maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> maybe it's just I, the, the um, building the off-road capable anything that's based on just a regular SUV and a regular SUV now is a passenger vehicle. It's a, it's a minivan without sliding doors. That's how I see large SUVs. They're fancy minivans without sliding doors, which makes them the worst minivan. I love Mm -hmm. minivans. I think minivans make, make way more sense than SUVs. Um, No one's, I I would, you know, it's, it seems like a lot of, it's a lot of money for something you're going to take off road once or twice. Maybe. And it's there are that. people, you know, and there, there there are already vehicles that people buy specifically for off-road. You know, they buy Jeeps, they buy Forerunners. You know, I was going to maybe a few people buy Defenders for that. Uh, But for the I money, mean, they don't buy G-Wagons for it, which is a huge
0: miscarriage of justice. They, they only um, drive those in Beverly Hills. Exactly. Miami <laughs> Beach.
4: No one takes the, these amazing vehicles off-road. So it's, it, it is a, you know, adding... Uh, these there there's you're, you're adding additional you know it's a lot of money for something you're never going to do which is a very american thing for us to do it's a, you know we we buy things we buy things based because on, we
0: want not because exactly, we need them
4: exactly we think we need we think we're going to do a thing and then we don't uh <laughs> which is why you want your socks delivered tomorrow Which is exactly, which is why I want my socks delivered tomorrow instead of just getting into a car and driving to Target. Um, But, you know, again, it's your money if you want to buy this, if you want to, if you're going to go off road, you know, thumbs up to you. If you're in a part of the country where you have to go off road or you have to deal with, you know, inclement weather um, and you want something a little extra, something, something in order to tackle that, just more than just you know all wheel drive, which is completely capable on any vehicle of handling you know, and you get some good get some good tires, you get some all wheel drive, you can do anything and anything. It's like, yep. There's there are very few cars that are just going to like spin you into a ditch with all wheel drive and and winter tires. Um, and you know it's it's you be you. How about that? Exactly. Uh, it's your it's, money. It's a,
0: spend it how you want.
4: It's your money. Spend it how you want. Uh, but maybe. I don't know, maybe just get a regular Ford Explorer and then get a, a Jeep yeah. or, or <laughs> get something to, like, if you're going to go off road, like go off road, like, you know, be ready to like the zombie apocalypse. You can just drive over zombies and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, get a, get a Ram TRX, which we were talking about earlier, Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> which will pretty much go anywhere. I mean, it's again, it's one of the most ridiculous vehicles you could possibly get. I mean, who the hell needs a 700 horsepower, supercharged pickup truck, it sure is fun. You, you can know, jump it, it over. You can jump it over creeks. Zero uh, yeah. um, yeah. to 60 and three and a half seconds on a bumpy back road. Why,
4: why do you need it? You don't, you don't need, no, no one needs it that exist. much power, but people are going to buy it. And yeah. then 1%, 2% are going to spend some of their time off road. Um, any, you know, and most of those are because of this is where I live. And this is what I do uh, type situations. If you live in, you know, there are people who live in Colorado, there are people who live in, in Wyoming, you know, you need something that's off the road. If you yeah. live in you know, parts of Hawaii, you know, you need something off-road. If you live in Alaska, you need something that's off-road. If you live in the Bay Area where I live and there are so many of these types of vehicles and there's so many big, large trucks, unless you're hauling something, I'm kind of judging you. I'm sorry. I grew up in a town yeah. where everyone who had a, had a truck was hauling something. We had to go, you know, we, we had horse trailers attached to these. We had like big bales of hay. Uh, you, you move things around in them. Um, and then if you weren't doing that, then you're everyone just kind of like, why do you have that?
0: Yeah. I mean, here, here in Michigan, you know, I live in Southeast Michigan, but if you head North on I-75 almost any weekend of the year, you know, you're likely to find people with, pickup trucks or big suvs towing trailers with depending on the time of year either jet skis or snowmobiles or you know dirt bikes or something else and so a lot of people around here do use them that way a lot don't but you know a lot of people use them especially for the towing capability oh yeah but um you know, it's you know even you know even even this thing you know the trx is is just total overkill <laughs> and i'm gonna... and, as we were talking about, you know, it's probably going to be the, uh, you know, this is this and the, the upcoming Raptor R, which we don't have any details on yet, but which may well have the, the supercharged V8 from the GT500 in it. Uh, that's the rumor anyway. Um, you know, these are likely the end of an era, you know, because these are going to start to get supplanted by electric pickups that have even more performance capability, starting with the Hummer EV this fall and the Cybertruck and, and other stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think th- that torque is going to be, <laughs> EV torque, it, it cha- it's such a game changer in so many ways, because, and I, 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 I feel like a broken record, and I say this every time uh, somebody talks about EVs, if, if you put someone in an EV and let them drive it, they're going to want an EV, because most of the time, they're just going from stop sign to stop sign, and they like that little like extra oomph that an yeah. EV gives them. you know, because top end horsepower doesn't really matter if you just have this really nice bit of torque on the back end at the, you know, you just, it's,
0: it's it's the old, you know, still saying, you know, people buy horsepower, but they drive torque torque is what you feel. You know, it's, it's the thing that gives you the drivability off the line and, you know. Of course, you know, with an EV, you get the torque, but you miss out on that sound. You know, there's nothing quite like the sound of a, a big there, ass V8. There, that, that, is, um,
4: that is incredibly true. Um, I you know I've had friends who are not even really uh, car people get into, say, the Mustang Bullet. And then just have the you know turn up the 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 exhaust and just drive that, and they were just tickled pink. They were so happy with that noise. And if you were outside the car and they heard that car going by, they'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what is this!" <laughs> but when you're inside the car and you are in control of that noise and that, and, and it's, it is, it is something else. It's very, it's it's a visceral, primal experience. Um, and then when you have the EV, you don't, you kind of don't have that. You have, you can, you can, a couple cars have weird space noises, Woo! <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, when you drive around t- town, you kind of don't, you know, the, that gets old quick. Um, and then it's so smooth at the, the lack of vibration, the sort of, just sort of off the line. It's, it is so, it is such a, a unique experience that people, again, just go to a dealership, find a friend with an EV and just drive it and if you don't like it then fine you don't like it you're you you know maybe but i i guarantee you it's going to change your mind on evs if you're one of these people who are like if it's either gas or nothing i'm like well you know it can be both yeah most most american households have two cars you can have both and a plug and a plug yeah most of us have electricity
0: (laughs) all right thanks robbie (laughs) thank you we'll talk to you next time couple of news items this week is a relatively slow news week. Um, first thing, Ford launched uh, a new variant of the Explorer this week, and it's actually going to be the first of a new get another subfamily for their SUVs, the Explorer Timberline. Um, and so they're going to be adding Timberline variants to a bunch of their other SUVs, uh, you know, this is supposed to be a more, a little more rugged looking, a little more off-roady version of the Explorer. Um, you know, it, what do you think of this thing?
3: Um, cool. I guess it's. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's. Neat. I think isn't everyone kind of trying to do some sort of off-roady variant? Either you're a luxury brand that's coming up with your Uber luxury thing, like mm-hmm. Denali and Avenir, or you're not a luxury brand and you're trying to come up with your rugged off-road capable line for your whole thing. So I guess it makes sense or isn't surprising maybe that they've done that. And it looks pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at the picture. It looks pretty slick um, and it does have some genuine additional capability in there. It's not just an appearance package because some of them do that. It's like, we made this look off-roady, but it's got a single, not a single thing different from the non-off-road version, you know?
0: Right. So this one, you know, it's got a different front fascia Mm -hmm. um, with yeah, it's it's cut away more, so you have a, a shorter or a steeper uh, approach angle. Uh, they they've got actual you know real skid plates on there, mm-hmm. not just pieces of plastic molded to look like skid plates, but uh, you know they're actually protecting the important bits underneath. Right. Um, the uh, uh, Bridgestone Dueler offer all terrain tires, uh, new dampers. Um, you know they've got some uh, lights integrated into the uh, into the grill. Uh, on either side of the blue oval logo um i do like the the dark green color that they're offering on this um is it just
3: a dark green i didn't get that part of it is it only in the dark green or no
0: it'll be available in other colors okay because sometimes they do that
3: like only with this color you know
0: yeah no uh so they've got press photos of uh silver and uh and the green but the the green is the hero color for this you know because which makes sense timberline yeah right yeah And so they'll be adding Timberline variants to other, you know, probably certainly I think to the uh, uh, the Bronco Sport, maybe the Edge. I don't know if they'll do it for the Escape or not, um, because, you know, they they've taken the Escape and kind of diverged it from the Bronco Sport, you know, because they're both on the same same architecture. um, You know, and the Escape is more the the car like, you know, crossover variant, you know, Mm -hmm. for for street use and urban driving. Um, but they're they're definitely going to do more timber lines uh, going forward. Probably the expedition will probably get a timber line, um, and it is also a, a Torsen limited slip differential on the rear axle. Uh, a few other things. It the it does come with the the two point three liter turbo uh, the four, the EcoBoost four cylinder. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it it should be an interesting option.
3: I think it's probably good to be modestly more. I mean, it definitely has some capability It'd be interesting to like just drive straight up Explorer and then drive this one back to back to see how much like can you feel that difference? Do you notice that difference? Do you feel the capability they baked into it or is it, you know?
0: I, th- I think where you're likely to feel it most is just from having the the all-terrain tires. Yeah. Um, you know, just having more grip when you're off road. Right. Because, you know, the the all-season tires that they put on normal ones, you know, the, the Explorer, you know, is actually reasonably capable a couple of years ago when they launched it i did the uh, the the drive program out in uh, portland Mm -hmm. and you know we did some off-roading with it and you know it's it's fairly capable even in standard form, like in an xlt form and this you know is derived from the xlt um you know just kind of stepping it up a little bit more it's not quite up there i would say with something like uh, jeep's trailhawk models you know, which, you know, that's, that's, that's their off-road rated versions.
3: But they did even try, they did. I was just, it's funny that you say that because the tow hooks, oh no, I lost the color. What do uh, yeah. they call? They Jeep they, has those red tow hooks on the yeah. um, trailhawk, which is like a signature, the yeah, red tow hooks. They've got, mean, they've
0: got the red tow hooks on here as they're, well. But they're
3: called red ember tow hooks. Yeah, well, um, whatever. Red ember. That's, I don't know they, what they're called they, they, on they, Jeep. Does Jeep have you know, a name for their red? Yeah. I don't even know. I think, they think must. it's just red. Just red. That's not very exciting.
0: Uh, No. Come on, Jeep. come Uh, up with a better name than just red. I've always been shocked at how much effort they come into, how much effort they expend trying to come up with descriptors to add to the color names, you know, like red ember, you know, or midnight blue. Well, midnight blue is kind of boring, but um, you know, some, some of the names that they come up with, for the the various colors.
3: Yes. Well, this is this color forged green, metallic, forged green, metallic. What does that even mean? I mean, it sounds cool, but forged green, what you like took it to a forge and you made the green. I don't get it.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, if you stuck a piece of steel in a forge, it's not going to come out looking green like that. It is not. uh,
3: I'm,
0: I'm not I'm not sure really what that is supposed to represent. What does
3: that mean? Yeah,
0: I don't know. But uh, yeah, no no pricing yet on this, uh, but it should be out this summer, I think.
3: No, it looks good. I um, think it's probably going
0: gonna... to get enough chips to build them.
3: Oh, my gosh. There's such <laughs> a sh- you know what? I actually see the shortage on lots of vehicles from the yeah. chip shortage. You can see it. You drive by our local dealerships. It's like there's no cars out there.
0: Yep. Yeah, they're missing everywhere. Citroën, um, another part of uh, another one of the, the, what, 14 Stellantis brands. You know, this is one of the <laughs> classic French brands. Um, they last year, they, they launched uh, a car called the Ami, uh, you know, which is French for friend. friend. You know, it's a it's a it's a little two seat pod. It's electric. The friend. Um, I think I think it's like eight horsepower or something like that. Uh, you know, it's designed, they designed it mainly, um, for their, um, their free to move, um, mobility service, uh, that they offer. They, they launched it uh, last year in Washington, DC and Portland, Oregon. Uh, they also have it in a bunch of European cities. And one of the things with the free to move service is they, they have uh, car sharing in there, but they also, uh, integrate, uh, some of the, some other services as well. So, you know, if you need a ride hail or something like that, you can use that to, um, to find, um, you know, rides, you know, whether you want to drive yourself or have somebody else drive you. Um, and I'm not sure exactly which services they're offering here in the U S but they're, they're now including the Citroen Ami and their car sharing fleet in, uh, the Washington DC area.
3: Wait, it what has, do you a, think? it has a top speed of 28 miles per hour? Am I reading that right? Yeah. Can you even all, it only has eight horsepower? I know, but at a range of 45 miles. Okay. So you really are just looking for the shortest little, like, I need to drive six blocks and it's pouring rain or freezing cold. And that's it. Cause you can't even get like on the, or to
0: go to the grocery store, you know, something like that.
3: I guess. I mean, it's really cute. It's like the most adorable little car. It looks like something. You know what it reminds me of? the The cars the kids have that are always yellow with like the red roof. That you know, mm-hmm. little plastic cars. That little you just, tiny tykes cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a tiny tykes car, but it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know though. At twenty with eight with eight horsepower and a top speed of twenty eight miles per hour, I think my seven year old may have been able to beat it though. Her feet move pretty fast. Um, all,
0: all, almost, yeah. Maybe. Well, you know, I mean, think about it though. Like in a in a dense urban environment. You're almost never going 28 miles an hour. This is true.
3: But I'm just thinking like you couldn't, I mean, like
0: you can still, there's still. Before the pandemic, the average speed in Manhattan was eight miles an hour.
3: Okay, I mean, no, I get that. But I mean, you couldn't you couldn't even for one second get off of like, well, even in Manhattan, when you go, I don't know the names of the roads, but you kind of as you're exiting the city or coming into the city, there's sort of the sides that get kind of speedy fast. You wouldn't be able to hit the actual speed of traffic there. You would get run over by You wouldn't be able to drive it somewhere like the
0: West Side Highway or something like that. That's what I'm thinking
3: of like that. You would be run over in a second. And a hot minute you would be run over. You'd be roadkill. So you really just have to intend to drive
0: and, and certainly a lot of new york city. city cabbies would would run right over oh this
3: yeah side. boom you're dead yeah, yeah they've yeah. run they run over you like the trx over the sonata yeah. <laughs> you'd be you just be gone
0: <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to see how popular these these are going to be um, I, they're doing I, it for a six-month trial to start with
3: and as i'm like picking on it i mean i get it's it's a cute car it is a nice little solution if you really just need a super short jaunt and it's adorable it really is a yeah. fun little car,
0: yeah, I'll be curious to see how much they charge. Uh, I know I was the scanning service. down this
3: story, and I don't see anything talking about pricing,
0: yeah. Um uh, I don't think that they've announced the pricing yet. Um, yeah, and and that's been one of the challenges. And I'm not sure, uh, like with free to move, you know how how they're doing it, whether it's um, you know a free-floating car share or you have to return the car back to where you picked it up from. Um, you know, cause this is, this has been one of the problems with car sharing um, services and why they've kind of struggled to really gain enough traction in the U S market. And even, in, even in other regions as well, you know, they started off, you know, like the zip car kind of model where the cars are parked in a specific location. You'd, Go, you'd reserve a car, you go pick it up, and you drop it back off at the same location. You didn't have to put in gas or anything, or charge it. You know that was all taken care of. Uh, you didn't have to worry about insurance. It was basically a short-term car rental. And then they went to um, some companies went to free-floating car share, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like what they do now with the scooters, where you know you can just drop it off. You, know, you don't have to take it back to where you picked it up from. You just drop it off anywhere. Right. And the problem with that is it's actually really expensive to operate that because periodically you've got to have staff that go around, find the cars and relocate, <laughs> reposition them, bring them to all the places. Back. Yeah. Yeah. To bring them, bring them back to the places where people are actually trying to use them. Cause right. you know, if you drop one off somewhere where there's not much, not much usage, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they can actually make a go of it. You know, most of the other car share programs like GM shut down their Maven program, Last year, um, BMW shut down their uh, their re- their uh, reach now or ride now or something uh, drive now. I call <laughs> something
3: it. now, but it's no longer. Da- Daimler,
0: so. Yeah. Daim- Daimler had their car to go. They've all been shut down because they, they couldn't make any money off of it. So,
3: But you wonder where this is because this is such a cheap little car. You know, yeah. it's not like it's not a huge it's not the same investment in capital as those you know, yeah, my, with these tiny little cars.
0: My, my guess is it will probably be, uh, you know, return it to where you picked it up from so you can plug it back in. Right. Uh, yeah, otherwise you just leave it there, spaces. you sit it there
3: and you've run it down and now your car is dead yeah. in a parking lot. Good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, enough of the Citroen friend.
3: Yes, the Ami.
0: So we had uh, one listener email this week. Uh, From Brian McMillan, say, good morning, afternoon or evening. First off, I just want to say how much I love the show and appreciate what you all do. While the news of Rebecca and Dan's departure is certainly saddening for the listeners. It does seem that Nicole and Roberto have picked up right where they left off. Keep up the good work.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Brian.
0: As as a recent ICE to BEV converter, so that's uh, internal combustion to battery electric, um <laughs> converter pun intended i wanted um, to um, share my thoughts experience in regards to your discussion on episode 191 when answering a listener's question about buying an ICE versus an EV my wife and i have always been road warriors when it comes to travel as she's not particularly fond of flying so in 2014 we purchased a brand new dodge caravan and proceeded to put close to 100,000 miles on it in five or six years <laughs> while we still own this vehicle it is rarely used anymore as both kids are out of the house and our daily driver is a tesla my Tesla is a 2020 Model 3 long-range all-wheel drive and has become our new road trip mule. Between work and pleasure travel, I've put more than 6,000 miles on her in about six months. That's right that's right around the average. Most The average is about 12,000 miles a year. For yeah, so
3: he's right people. in there.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, with our longest road trip traversing over 1,500 miles round trip. Our experience has been that road tripping in an EV, specifically a Tesla, is actually better for our needs driving style. We've always been the type of family that enjoys the journey and when traveling. Stopping is needed for bathroom and snack breaks, not eating meals in the car, and typically never driving straight through to our destination. So with our Tesla, that combination of autopilot and charging stops makes the trips much more enjoyable and relaxing, while not adding extensive trip time versus ICE travel. Um, While there is no doubt that road tripping with an EV will add time to your trip, there are ways to maximize it, like staying at hotels with destination charging along the route. Uh, From our experience, these destination chargers are abundant, free, and fairly easy to find with a search on Google Maps. Then for supercharging along the route, stations are easily accessible strategically placed such that range anxiety is not an issue at all. While Tesla does get a bad rap for various reasons and deservedly. So in some cases, I can absolutely recommend a Tesla today to anyone that likes uh, to road trip for the reasons mentioned above. And I, I have to agree, you know, I mean, for, for the thing, you know, all the things I've complained about with Tesla, you mm-hmm. um, the, the thing, probably the, the thing that they've done the most right is the build out of the supercharger network you know, because it, it made, it, it convinced people that you can go anywhere with an EV, Yeah, you know, and they've got currently uh, about a thousand locations across the, across the U S uh, with about 10,000 chargers. So there's an average of about 10, 10 chargers per location. Um, you know, some are, some are six, some are 12 or 18. And, you know, some of the really popular spots, but it, Yeah. I mean, that, that is absolutely a a really smart thing that Tesla did and, you know, electrify America and and other companies are trying to replicate that now with their networks, but um, there's, you know, they're not there yet. You know, Tesla or electrify America has about 600 locations now. Um, And, but I think one of the things that Tesla uh, has also done well is they've generally done a pretty good job with reliability of their superchargers and that's something where a lot of the other charger networks have had challenges is with reliability.
3: That's uh, And that's what I see here. Because I, I agree with everything that he said there, especially with Tesla. But I mean, I see in my area the number of times that the charging stations that are not Tesla's just aren't working. You go mm-hmm. up and there's, there's, there's just, you can't even get them to work or you seem to have done everything right. You plug it in something's not the, the cable, something that is, the cable is not right. Something's been, you know, there's, there are very frequently issues with the actual physical chargers that are around us. We don't have as many in New Hampshire. It's a function of just where I live. Um, no. But the, Uh, Tesla, there's a bunch of superchargers at a rest area on a major sort of thoroughfare heading up to the White Mountains, which is anybody who's traveling north to come like vacation up here, you're going to go buy them. Um, So if you've been traveling from New York or Massachusetts or wherever, there's a good stop for you. You can stop, you can get some, you know, get something to eat, take a bathroom break and charge your vehicle. And I frequently see Tesla's there. Like sometimes on like busy, busy weekends, there's maybe only one or two open spots, but that means there's quite a few people that are charging and having no problem doing it. So I I definitely think like what you're describing there, um, Brian, I totally get it. And I think if you're the kind of person who travels that way in a road trip, and I like to travel that way. I don't generally just get in the car, drive as fast as I can on the busiest highway, get there and be done with it. I sort of like to stop and check stuff out too. And I think if that's your style of road tripping, they're much easier to live with tesla or otherwise but if you're on that i think back to when i was in college and that road trip where you know you're just coming home from school or you're you know and you've you've got to drive 14 hours of driving and you just want to knock that out as fast as you can that's when you know that's when it becomes more of a challenge um which is you know i don't know how many people do you think are doing a road trip because they're really trying to to stop along the way or how many are really focused on the destination? I don't know what, I don't know, Sam, like how many, how does that play out? You know?
0: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, there, there's, there's clearly a split there. I don't know what the split is. um, You know, but I think a a lot of people, this, this is as we start to continue to build out the charging infrastructure across the country, this is one of the things that needs to be thought about is, you know, where you locate these, uh, these chargers? You know, you, you want it, You know, the reality is that even with DC fast charging, you know, you're still, you're going to be sitting around somewhere for probably, you know, a half hour or so at a minimum. If you're on, if you're, you know, if you, if you're going from near empty and you want to fill it up to get, you know, maximize your range, you're probably going to be sitting around for anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, uh, at the, at the least. And so you need to have those chargers located somewhere where you've got you know, some sort of amenities, you know, certainly bathroom, but, you know, something to eat or, you know, other things that you can walk to, to see. And, you know, this is, this is another one of the the challenges, you know, is not just putting it, you know, putting the, the charger, you know, at just random rest areas, but ideally putting them somewhere where people have some options of other things to do for a half hour or an hour, uh, while they're waiting for the vehicle to charge. Um. And, you know, but I think I still think that, you know, the biggest challenge is the reliability. John Volcker, you know, recently wrote something about this. He was testing the VW ID4 and, uh, you know, he went to a couple of different Electrify America stations. And and grant EA did have um, a problem with a bunch of their charging stations, particularly on the East Coast, um, with one of the vendors that was supplying the the chargers themselves. and they have since ended their relationship with that particular supplier and converted over to to another supplier uh but you know this is this is not an issue exclusive to ea chargepoint blank evgo all, i've had issues with with all of them at some t- at some point in time or another where you plug it in nothing much happens yeah. um you know gm just announced uh last week uh or week before, yeah, maybe it was last week the ultium 360 charging network. Um, you know, so within their um within their app for their vehicles, um, they're integrating, I think to start with six different charging networks, you know, so charge point, EVGo, um, blank, uh, green lots and a couple of others. And they're gonna have sixty thousand chargers that are accessible through there. Um that, you know, you'll be able to see them on the map, you know, in the vehicle, you know, you can plot your route. uh, easily. And, and this is something that automakers also need to do is make that better integrated. So, you know, when you put in your destination, if your destination is 500 miles away and you've got 250, 300 miles of charge, you know, have it automatically show, okay, here are the places where there's chargers available that you can go and use. And, you know, ideally, you know, have, you know, have a filter on there where you can put other things that you want you know, so if there's yes. a charger, you know, if you if you want to, you know, have have a lunch break or, you know, go to a museum or something, you know, find those other things nearby as well.
3: I had a Bolt EV at one point and was looking for a charger. I went we went down to the Cape down that way. And so yeah. we were coming back. It's not a super long drive, but, you know, and was looking for someplace where I could charge it. And thought we found a place and we get there and it's literally the strangest thing i've ever seen in my life like we're in this sort of old abandoned like mill buildings in the city in massachusetts there's one office here and then in this parking lot where there is nothing except like like it looks like no one's parked in this parking lot in 30 years it's like half overgrown there's one EV charger and we're sort of driving up and i'm kind of like huh so do I just leave this car here and then (laughs) wander about and see if there's some place where we, like, it was weird. I'm like that. I'm sure there was some method to the madness when that was put in, but if it's sending you to a charging station like that, and it wasn't like the bolt sent us there, it was just like, that's what we found when we searched. It's like, this is not helpful because I'm not just parking here and wandering about this area. I feel like I could, they will never see me again. They will find the car and nothing else, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I think about three years ago um, at the, uh, there there's this event, this event every summer uh, in Traverse city in Northern Michigan called the management briefing seminars put on by the center for automotive research. And my friend, Bob Gritzinger who writes for rewards, um, he had a bolt press car that he was going to drive up to, uh, to Traverse city. And it's about 250 miles from Metro Detroit area up to Traverse city, uh, which is generally, you know, within the range of what the bolt can do. and, you know, he had planned to stop along the way, you know, to, to top it off, you know, just to make sure that he got there safely. Uh, and he stopped at, uh, you know, two of the two of the charging locations that were identified in the nav system were at uh, offices of consumers power, which is one of the, the two main utilities here in Michigan. And he stopped at the first one. The charger was there, but it was not working. Ugh. Went to the second one. Same thing. Charger was not working. He, they, you know, uh, eventually you you get off I-75 and you take uh, some secondary roads to get to Traverse City. He found a spot um, where he and his wife could grab some lunch and plug it in for an hour or two, you know, to to get some more miles or get some more miles in the battery and managed to get it to, to Traverse City and then when he got to the hotel where the event was, the the Grand Traverse Bay Resort uh up there. They had um five chargers there. Two of them were Tesla only chargers. The other three were were uh CCS chargers. The three CCS chargers none of them were working.
3: <laughs>
0: the the two Tesla chargers were occupied but you know you couldn't use those anyway, right, but they right. were working, but none none of the CCS chargers were working. And, you know, they were being operated by some small network charging, you know, charging network provider you know, located, I think, in Washington state. And Bob tried to get on the phone with them to see if they could reset it, see if they could do something. They, they couldn't they couldn't Nothing. get him working. Finally ended up uh He. You know around the the grounds you know around the hotel you know in the winter time they have all these christmas lights so they have plugs that they have set up all over all around the he unplug
3: Christmas lights to plug in his car well
0: the, the christmas <laughs> lights weren't plugged in there but he saw the little post with the you know with the Outlet on there, just a standard one ten volt outlet. And since we were going to be there for four days anyway, you know, he just plugged it into a standard one. You know, took the the cord and plugged it in, and used that. And by the time it was time to go home, uh, it was charged back up again. But you know, I mean, this is the kind of ridiculous thing that both automakers and the charging network providers, you know, if they want to get people to adopt EVs you know, they have to do what Tesla has done and really make that process seamless.
3: It's I I think that's the biggest thing that when, you know, it's, it's not so much, I mean, I know we would say range anxiety. It's not that it's not almost that you're going to run out of range before you get where you're going, but when you get where you're going, will what's supposed to be there actually be there and will it actually work? Which is, it's it's a different thing. It's not like, I'm going to run out before I get there. It's like, no, I planned everything just perfectly. I will get here. I'll be able to charge. What do you mean all four of your charging stations are not working now? What do I do, where's the nearest one? Well, you got to go a town over cause you're on vacation and you're someplace rural. It's like, well, now what do I do? You know, it's that, that inconsistency with being able to charge when you get there, that's a huge obstacle for a lot of people.
0: It is. And so that's, that's something that the industry really needs to address. You know, if they, if they want to, you know, if GM want, hopes to sell a million EVs by 2025, um, They're going to have to fix this. And same goes for Ford and everybody else. You know, these things need to be as reliable as a gas pump. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that you go to a gas station and there's no working pumps.
3: Right. Like there's one pump that's not working out of the 15 that are there or something. You know, there's and if not, even if that one pump, even if you have a gas station, for some reason, a gas station is having an issue. There's a pretty darn good chance you can drive five miles down the road or across the street. And there's another gas station like it's just you're like, okay, well, that's kind of a pain in the butt. I wanted to go to this one. I'll go across the street or right down the street. What that is not always an option with EVs? It's just not. Maybe it will be at some point, but until it's that easy to get past the it's not working when I get here, there has that's that's going to be an obstacle for a lot of
0: people. It certainly is. All right. Got anything else for this week? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, that has been episode 195 of Wheel Bearings. Hopefully we'll have Robbie back next week. What uh, happened sure to him?
3: Where'd he go? Did I, he sleep in?
0: Maybe there was an earthquake. I mean, was there an know, earthquake,
3: he, California? Because that would be sad if we're picking there, on him. Uh, there was, a there was
0: one earlier this week. There, yeah. I think there was a, a decent size one. but uh, But I mean, that's, you know pretty much a daily occurrence i know
3: it's like when isn't yeah. there an earthquake in when, california when,
0: when, you, when you live in when you live in the bay area you know having the ground moving under your feet is is not an unusual that's thing so ho- hopefully that's not the case today okay. uh, but uh, we'll 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 catch up with robbie next week okay all right thanks everybody bye
3: everyone